well regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you joined us on the program today. We are, believe it or not, a week away now from one of the most important days for the Second Amendment in Supreme Court history. Next Wednesday, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. This is the challenge to New York's subjective and restrictive uh, carry permitting laws. Basically, you've got this two-tiered system where you can get either a restricted permit, which allows you to carry virtually nowhere. I mean, you can go target shooting. You are uh, allowed to hunt uh, with your uh, handgun. Yeah, I know. Not a lot of people do that. Not not very practical if you want to carry a firearm for self-defense. In order to do that in New York State, you have to get what is called an unrestricted permit. And those are rarely given. Now, you might get lucky. You might live in a county where the issuing authority, the sheriff says, yeah, absolutely. You've got a right to self-defense. Here you go. I'm going to sign off on your paperwork. But you might live in a county where a judge is the issuing authority. Or maybe you got several judges who are the issuing authority. And maybe three of them think that, yeah, yeah, the Second Amendment includes a right to bear arms and self-defense. And if you're lucky enough to get assigned one of those judges, maybe you get your unrestricted permit. If you're not lucky enough, however, to get one of those judges, then maybe you get denied. Because maybe the judge says you don't have enough, a good enough reason to carry a firearm. Whether or not you get to exercise your constitutional right is entirely up to the whims of the issuing authorities. And New York is one of several states that still have these types of, uh, I believe, unconstitutional gun laws on the books. One of the other states, California, right? And we've talked about what's going on in California because, um, and, and New York, I mean, both of these states, you've had. Not only do you have the average citizen deprived of their ability to keep and bear arms, but you also have a system in place that encourages uh, fraud and bribery. The New York Police Department Licensing Bureau has been caught up in scandals over the issuance of concealed carry licenses, where individuals were paying tens of thousands of dollars to have their licenses approved. In California, you've got the uh, Santa, Clary, uh, Santa Clara County Sheriff, uh, who is under investigation. Several of her uh, top deputies have been indicted on charges of bribery in the issuance of concealed carry licenses. And then today, we have this story from California. Ex-tribal police chief guilty of selling badges for $300,000 to wealthy L.A. residents so they could carry concealed firearms. Yep. You know, again, I mean, it, it, even the wealthy will find a way, won't they? I mean, if you got the cash, eh, sure, you can do whatever you want. You can buy your way into becoming a law enforcement officer, so you can carry a firearm. But if you're a single mom in South Central, or heck, even Santa Barbara, good luck. Good luck getting a concealed carry license. If you are an average citizen, you cannot carry for self-defense in Los Angeles. Now, I know that L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva has said, well, we're, we're, uh, we're issuing more concealed carry licenses. Yeah. The last time I checked was about six weeks ago. L.A. County had uh, about 1,000 active concealed carry licenses. A county of 10 million people. Alex Villanueva has not adopted a shall-issue policy. 
I think he's trying to go for the positive headlines. No, the, the average citizen in L.A., just like the average citizen in New York, still cannot exercise their right to bear arms in self-defense outside of their home. Not without committing a felony-level offense. But again, if you got the cash, you have the access, apparently. Former police chief of a tribal police department in Southern California is pleading guilty to selling $300,000 worth of badges to wealthy Los Angeles residents so they could get concealed carry permits. Uh, Anthony Reyes-Vasquez admitted he and other officers of the Manzanita Tribal Police Department recruited dozens of affluent Angelinos to join a, quote, VIP group, issuing them badges that gave them certain law enforcement privileges but did not require them to perform any police work. To join the force, the VIP members were required to pay fees ranging from $5,000 to $100,000, according to prosecutors. Many of the members had little or no law enforcement background. Many never visited the reservation at all. But once they paid their fee... They got their badge, which uh, granted them the right to carry a concealed firearm, according to prosecutors. Investigators, by the way, declined to identify the members of the VIP group, which I think is crap. I think we should know every individual who forked over big money to be able to carry a firearm. I mean, heck, the state of California has already, uh, Governor Newsom signed legislation earlier this year, uh, allowing anti-gun academics to access the personal information of every legal gun owner in the state of California. So why can we not know? Why does the public not have a right to know who these individuals were who decided to circumvent state law in order to carry a firearm? Because I'm very curious. I, you know, listen, I believe it's a right. I don't believe that these individuals should have had to fork over a, a $5,000 to $100,000 in order to exercise their right to carry. I think this is a right that we're talking about. But it does bug the crud out of me. I'm really trying to wash my mouth here. That uh, you've got individuals who are, again, able to fork over money that most of us <laughs> could never afford to do. Could never, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't have an extra $5,000 in funds just laying around for me to uh, hand out as a bribe in order to exercise a constitutional right. No, if, if that's what it takes... I'm screwed. You're screwed. Most of us are screwed. But the individuals who uh, forked over that cash, eh, guess we'll never get to know who they are. Does kind of make you wonder, though, if any of them have a last name that rhymes with Schmaldwin, doesn't it? Or is that just me? Randy Grossman, who's the uh, acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of California, said this defendant sold law enforcement badges and jeopardized public safety. His manipulative and self-serving ploy also significantly undermines state laws governing the issuance of credentials to carry concealed weapons. Listen, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that this necessarily undermined public safety. Uh, if these individuals were able to carry a firearm because they had a badge, like if they didn't have to go through any sort of firearms training, maybe you could make the case that, uh, yeah, some of these idiots uh, might not know what they were doing when they were carrying a gun. But if Buying the badge uh, simply allowed them to obtain a concealed carry license. Well, they would have had to go through all of the hoops and hurdles that, uh, you know, licensed gun carriers in California have to go through. So I, I don't know that they necessarily would have uh, uh, impugned public safety. Uh, except for the fact that, again, if these yabos can uh, carry simply because they forked over hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, why can't the average Californian do the same after submitting, you know, $50 for their concealed handgun license, their shall issue concealed handgun license? I think one of the things that 
that that uh, is really embarrassing for the Antigun politicians of California about this is it exposes their own system for what it is, a system that encourages and exacerbates law-breaking on the part of law enforcement officers because it incentivizes fraud. It incentivizes graft. If you have a shall-issue system, there's no opportunity to bribe somebody. There's no opportunity for graft. What's the point of handing somebody $5,000 saying, hey, uh, make sure I get my concealed carry license, when if you pass a background check and you've gone through the required training, you get your license. You don't need to try to slip anybody money under the table. And there are no officers who can try to pad their bank accounts by taking a bribe, putting it in their pocket, and handing over a concealed carry license. You get rid of the opportunity for fraud, for bribery, for graft, when you get rid of may-issue carry laws. Now, that is not the primary thrust of the uh, plaintiff's argument in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. I don't even know if it's going to come up during oral arguments. But I think it's at least worth a consideration. I believe we've got the constitutional right to bear arms. I believe that these may-issue laws violate our Second Amendment rights. But even leaving aside the constitutional concerns for them, just from a pragmatic perspective, why on earth would you want a law in the books that fosters a culture of criminality, which is exactly what these may-issue laws do? And they put people in prison for something that should not even be considered a crime, carrying a firearm, right, without a license. But they also, these laws also end up putting people in prison for something that very well should be a crime. Bribery. Corruption. And these laws fuel and aid that type of behavior. You want to get rid of that? You want to get rid of the uh, the graft? You want to try to uh, Im- improve the trust that the public has in our public officials? All right. Take away one of their opportunities to make money on the side by selling us our rights. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Uh, We will start there. Uh, Actually, I got an email about this, and I got to tell you, uh, uh, Jeffrey Bird, I like that, by the way, Jeff, Free Bird, Jeff, I like it. Uh, Jeffrey had sent in a uh, story, saying, can you talk about this? And you and I must have been... uh, having a mind meld, Jeff, because I already had this story in my queue for today's recidivist report. The headline, NBA young boy not jailed on California gun charge. Next stop, Utah house arrest on Baton Rouge count. So I I realize this might be a confusing headline for some folks. Uh, NBA young boy is a, uh, that's the stage name of a rapper from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, who is 21 years of age who is a convicted felon and who is currently facing gun charges and felon and possession charges in two states, Louisiana uh, and California. Uh, however, NBA young boy, uh, whose real name is Kentrell Golden, will not be held behind bars while he is awaiting trial, even though a federal judge previously said she thought that's what needed to happen. Because now she's reversed course. Um, After Assistant U.S. Attorney Will Morris told U.S. Magistrate Judge Richard Bourgeois Jr. that the government would not seek to detain NBA Youngboy on the Baton Rouge gun charge, uh, the court said, all right, well, I guess you can go. 
Uh, but you better show up in Los Angeles for your arraignment on federal charges there once that date has been set. Yeah. Galden's latest criminal case dates back to September of last year when he and 15 others were arrested on various gun and drug charges during a video shoot at a vacant lot in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. As a result of that arrest, a federal grand jury in Baton Rouge indicted him in March on charges that he possessed a firearm as a felon. Uh, Galden pleaded guilty back in 2017 to aggravated assault with a firearm in connection with a non-fatal drive-by shooting in Baton Rouge, which happened two days after he turned 17. Uh, Twelve days after his indictment back in March, agents arrested Galden in Los Angeles on a federal firearm warrant out of Baton Rouge. They returned him there. Uh, but they also found a, a 45 caliber pistol and uh, several rounds of ammunition in Galden's possession when he was stopped in Los Angeles. So now he's facing felon possession charges in Los Angeles. Now, you would think, by the way, if you've been indicted on being a felon in possession, you would perhaps chill on illegally carrying a gun around. That clearly wasn't the case. So he was indicted in August by another federal grand jury in California. And then he was arrested in Baton Rouge on an arrest warrant issued by that grand jury. So, last Friday, Chief U.S. District Judge Shelley Dick of Baton Rouge said, all right, I, I've said before you should uh, stay behind bars. In fact, back in April, judge said that uh, Galden should remain jailed until a trial, saying that he was, quote, inclined towards reckless, illegal, dangerous behavior, adding that there was no combination of bond conditions that would ensure the community's safety. Friday, she changed her mind. She said, well, listen, as long as you are under house arrest in Utah, apparently he bought a nice big palatial mansion. He says he wants to uh, staff it with a security firm uh, to patrol the grounds. He wants to build a recording studio there. As long as you stay in your gilded cage and be a young boy, you don't have to remain behind bars until you face trial for being a felon in possession. Um, there's a curfew, apparently, for visitors at his home. He can only have three visitors at his home at one time. And he must post a $1.5 million property bond. Uh, can't, you know, use any drugs, for instance. Can't possess a firearm. And the judge says if the uh, rapper violates any conditions of his release, the government would, quote, likely and swiftly move for his detention. I, I don't buy it. I really don't. I don't think the Biden administration has got to do anything to get tough on NBA young boy. Biden administration is actually trying to get rid of cash bail at the federal level entirely. So, no, I don't I don't expect the Biden administration to crack down. Uh, and Jeff says, you know, look, it seems to me like there are a lot of these rappers who get arrested and then charged and they get a slap on the wrist. and They, they get set on their merry way. And you're right, Jeff. We've talked about several of these cases just over the course of this past year. Now, I don't know if this is uh, uh, you know, celebrity justice uh, if this is the uh, Biden administration just deciding, well, you know, where our priorities are uh, more of those people who are owning those, you know, AR style pistols and those uh, awful ghost guns. I, I, I don't know. I can't explain the uh, the machinations behind these decisions. And obviously, the court system that we have in this country relies on uh, plea bargains. Right. I mean, we have a that's why we have this segment every day of the recidivist report, because this is how our criminal justice system runs. Try to move people through as quickly as possible, even if it means the sentences are light, slaps on the wrist, we see them back again. That's the way the system functions. I'm sure it doesn't hurt, however, when you uh, do have a little bit of a celebrity cachet behind you. Uh, and again, when you've got the scratch, 
to, uh, you know, pay off these high bonds and say, uh, ah, you know, I'll just hang out in my mansion for a little bit until uh, my trial. As to the odds of uh, NBA Youngboy actually facing any prison time for either of the two federal felon possession charges that he's facing? Ordinarily, I'd say, yeah, odds are pretty good. At least a five-year sentence, 85% served before you were eligible for early release. With this administration? No. I actually think the odds are better that uh, NBA Youngboy will walk on these charges rather than uh, spend any time in a federal prison, even if he pleads guilty. All right, on to today's Armed Citizen story. And Jeff, again, I do appreciate that you sending that story along, man. Thank you very much. Uh, today's Armed Citizen story from the uh, Lone Star State of Texas, where a gas station employee was the uh, intended victim of an armed robbery, but instead was able to protect and defend himself in Harris County. This was a Monday. Officials say that the two people entered a convenience store, getaway vehicle ready. The uh, armed man tried to rob the store clerk, but the store clerk had a firearm of their own, and the worker ended up shooting the would-be armed robber. Captain John Shannon of the uh, Harris County Police Department, or Harris County Sheriff's Department, says the employee was not harmed. Uh, the wounded man taken to a hospital, last report in critical condition. The two other suspects, the getaway driver and then the other man who entered the, uh, the store, both arrested uh, by Harris County Sheriff's deputies. Don't have a lot of information here. Again, it would appear to be a clear-cut case of self-defense, convenience store worker unharmed, uh, and uh, won't be facing any charges. I mean, this, this is as succinct a defensive gun use as you can find. What's amazing is that we've got people who continue to insist that stories like this do not happen every day across this country. I got a piece of bearing arms today uh, about a uh, editorial board in Pennsylvania poo-pooing the idea that armed citizens can make a difference and should be a thing. Well, go and tell that convenience store worker that he should have been disarmed on the job, that he should not have been able to protect himself in what is a dangerous occupation that doesn't pay a whole hell of a lot, but that he should put his life on the line every time he goes to work because you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those uh, anti-gun yous out there. Because you don't think that um, it's valuable or necessary or even a good idea for that individual to be carrying a firearm for self-defense while he's on the job. I'm guessing he disagrees. And uh, I'd say he got to go home at the end of his shift because he disagrees, because he values his life, and because he chose to carry a firearm to protect his life. And I'm glad he's all right. Uh, I also hope that uh, his intended assailant recovers from his injuries, goes to trial, doesn't get offered a plea bargain, and is sentenced to the uh, fullest extent of the law. How about that? Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day. This is a uh, screen capture from Dashboard Camera. Uh, belonging to uh, Trooper Edwin Lopez in Ohio, who was in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a 77-year-old man who was behind the wheel of that car traveling on the Ohio Turnpike when the um, man behind the wheel had a medical emergency um, and was incoherent. 
So drivers on the turnpike started calling 911 saying, hey, there's something going on with this car. There's something going on with the driver. Trooper Lopez was dispatched and caught up with uh, 77-year-old John Klinge, who's from Indiana uh, and is diabetic. And he, as he was driving home, had a medical episode. Uh, Lopez says, I was driving behind him with my lights on. Driver wasn't responding. I didn't see brake lights. I hit my siren a couple of times. Driver still didn't respond. Thankfully, at that point, Kling's car, he, he, I guess he had somehow managed to steer it over onto the median. But it's going you know, fairly slowly. It's not directly in line of traffic. But at one point, it swerved towards the left lane of the turnpike because there were cars passing by. Uh, and that's when the trooper said, all right, I, I can't just follow behind anymore. He said, so I exited my vehicle immediately. I ran alongside the vehicle trying to get the passenger's attention. Um, he said, that's why I made the decision to jump out of the vehicle and run after to try to get his attention because I could see that his head was down on the wheel. So thankfully, Trooper was able to uh, uh, get in to the vehicle, uh, stop its forward momentum, and then most importantly, uh, help aid the driver, Mr. Clinch, who has uh, made a full recovery and said, uh, quote, I'm a believer in God. I believe that he watches over me, and I am sure that he put that officer there. Well, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save uh, not only a 77-year-old man, but who knows how many motorists there on the Ohio Turnpike, uh, Ohio State Highway Patrol Trooper Edwin Lopez, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, but we will be back tomorrow. Yes, indeed, we will. And as a matter of fact, if you want to stay up late tonight, I'll be filling in for uh, Stacey Washington on Stacey on the Right on Sirius XM Patriot 9 to midnight. That is uh, Sirius XM Patriot 125. Uh, you can uh, also check it out on demand on the Sirius XM app anytime if you are a Sirius XM subscriber. Uh, I would also encourage you to uh, check out BarryAndArms.com. We are updating the website with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information throughout the day. Also have our VIP Gold live chat with Ed Morrissey for you to check out for our VIP Gold subscribers. If you are not yet a VIP subscriber, I would encourage you to do so as well. All you got to do, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS and you can get 25% off of your VIP membership. That'll give you exclusive commentary, analysis, and more, uh, as well as allowing you to uh, support the work that we're doing here at Bearing Arms. We really, really do appreciate your support. It is so great to hear from you. Uh, again, looking forward to be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. But until then, be well, be safe, be free. <laughs>